Have you ever considered that we as beings already had thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Please follow along with an open heart, mind, and Bible as we rediscover the words of scripture through the historical context of the time it was written. Greetings to the Kingdom Citizen. I'm your host, Glenn Cruz. As an ambassador of the Kingdom of God, I'm so honored and excited to be with you again as it is the will of the King, both spiritually and politically, because we represent a government that is the Kingdom of God. Welcome, 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 everyone. Hope you had a fabulous week. And uh, I hope you had an opportunity to check out last week's podcast as well. And if not, you can just go ahead and take a listen to those on uh, any platform that you choose. But uh, this week, we will lay out a picture to show how God organized every detail in the beginning that he wants us to know through knowledge of his word. So let's kind of just do a quick recap about the 10 kingdom concepts, what is dominion and domain, before we begin looking at verse 2 of Genesis uh, today. So a kingdom must have a king and a lord or a sovereign ruler, two, a territory, which is a domain, three, a constitution, a royal covenant, four, a citizenry, a community of subjects. Five, the law, which is an acceptable principles. Six, principles, rights and benefits. Seven, a code of ethics, acceptable lifestyles and conducts. Eight, an army, which is the security. Nine, a commonwealth, which is an economic security. And ten, a social culture, transitions, our traditions, protocols, and procedures. Now let's look at the word domain or dominion first, which refers to king's authority and his power. That's dominion. It refers to the king's authority and his power. And then the domain refers to the property, the area, and the authority in which it extends or influences extends to so now let's get into the word now i know uh, i went through those pretty fast but we did go through those in detail in uh, previous podcasts so you can just kind of go back and listen to those i just wanted to give a quick recap on that because as we look at genesis 1 and 2 what i want you to visualize and and understand and establish is In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth that shows dominion and that shows domain. And, you know, that's the first couple of principles that we uh, discussed as what you must have to be a kingdom, a sovereign ruler and a territory. And all that is created in the first sentence. 
of the Bible. So I'm going to just reread it. This is Genesis 1 and 2, but we're going to focus on 2 today. So it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now we know that God is sovereign. He's a sovereign Lord over all with an incontestable right. You know, so since he is the creator, there is no doubt that he is the sole owner and possessor of heaven and earth. So this makes God the king of the universe. This makes him king of all. This does not in any way reduce his deity or his sovereignty, right? But it further expresses his ownership and authority over the kingdom and his influences here on earth. You know, so that's the reason why he established Adam here was to extend his influences here on earth. And as ambassadors of Christ, that's what we are to do is extend God's kingdom, his ownership, his influences here on earth so that we can gather more citizens for the kingdom of God. So you have to be careful of what kingdom that you're building, right? Because Satan has a kingdom here on earth right now until Jesus returns, right? So our Lord and Savior, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he went to Hades to get the keys of death back from Satan, right? And in his resurrected body, he took control of that. But he left us here on earth to continue to build the kingdom. So that is our responsibility as ambassadors. And we just want to make sure that um, we are abiding by that. So let's just get back to uh, get back to the word here. So as we read verse two again, let's just go back to that uh, verse two. And it says the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, there's a few words. I'm quoting this from a guy named Thomas Chalmers. Thomas Chalmers. It says, now there's a few words tucked away in this verse that needs to be explored. In 1814, a man named Thomas Chalmers noticed something interesting in the term for without form and void, which is tohu and uh, I guess you pronounce that bohu or boohu. When you look that up, I found that very interesting as well without form and void, right? So when you actually go back and you you look at those those terms in the uh, in the Hebrew, it says here, without form, actually is formless, confusion, emptiness, right? So it's 
root meaning means lying in waste. But when you go to void, I thought was very interesting. It says emptiness, void and wasted. Right. That is undistinguishable, ruined. And I was like, how can something be ruined that God creates? So just hold that thought. How can something be ruined that God creates? I mean, God is God. And we would think that God creates out of, um, you know, when he creates something that he creates it perfect or he creates it into a matter of where we systematically go through things. Right. So when you think of a lump of clay, it's like you have a lump of clay there. It's without form. It's without void. It's just a lump of clay. Right. And when you. You have, and, and, and this is from the spirit here, but you have a picture of the end of what you want to create from that clay. But when you look at it, it's empty, it's voided, it doesn't have any shape or anything, right? But say, for example, you want to make a vase. You know what that vase is going to look like, but that clay right now doesn't look like that. So when you begin to form it, you know the end from the beginning. So when you think about the human race, when God made Adam, and we'll get into this, but I, I just want to say this. When God made, created, and made Adam, he knew the end from the beginning. So he knew everyone who was going to be created, who was going to be made, who was going to be born. And he pulled that out of Adam. Right. So he is the master potter. That's why he's called the master potter is because he knew the end. At the beginning, when he created Adam. That is so powerful when you just sit back and you just meditate on that and that's the reason why you should meditate on the word right because the word brings so much power and when you just sit back and you think about that God knew the beginning from the end right so even when he shaped the earth he knew what he wanted to do and he knew that what he wanted it to look like at the uh at the beginning and he knew the end what he wanted it to look like but sometimes when you look at the process of how God did the earth as we go through this that process is to show you know something that was taken from chaos to glory right because everything that God does he's going to show his glory through us, around us, you know, in the world, in his world. It's all about his glory, his weight being displayed. Right. So when we look at what Thomas Chalmers noticed and, you know, once I went back and 
and reviewed this, I was I was kind of amazed. But when you look at Isaiah 45 and 18, it kind of utilizes some word that kind of backs this up a little bit. So Isaiah 45, 18 says this. It says, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens. He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. And that is in Isaiah 45 and 18. So this verse seems to indicate that the earth was not originally created without form and void, but that it subsequently became that way. So in fact, when you look at the sentence structure, right? And that's why sentence structure is important. I'm not the best at English, but um, never was, but I, I'm, I'm having to kind of relearn a little bit here. But in fact, that the verb in the sentence was, when you look that up, uh, in the in the uh, Hebrew, that means became, right? So when you reread that the earth was which became formless and void. So in the Sapungents, you know, back in the translation of the Sapungent, that was became was actually the original word used so the earth was formless and void now i'm not trying to create any debate or there's no you know i'm not reading into the text here what i am i'm just pulling out words in the text and it it just creates a thought right so there's secrets of god that we'll never know so I believe that this is one of those secrets, but it's, it's always fun to just kind of sit back and think about it and just have a conversation with the Holy spirit to see what, what, what comes about it. Right. So when you look up that, like I said, when you look at the uh, etymology of, of that root word was, that means to be, to become, to pass or exist. Right. Now, there's a couple of theories that scholars and and people have debated over the years. And I'm only going to mention this, not because I'm trying to interject anything, but there's information out there that, you know, if you never heard about it, just look it up. And this theory that kind of discusses. You know, that there's a gap between verse one and verse two. Right. And it mentions it's called the gap theory that's mentioned, you know, so you can just kind of do your own studies on it. I've read about it. I understand it. I know about it. Um, It's not doctrine, so I can't prove that it's true. And they haven't proved that it's true. Right. But it's interesting to think about. So just look up the gap theory and then all it is in the I just roundabout way is that there's a gap between one and two. And it suggests that, you know, 
we don't know necessarily in the Bible when Satan fell. And when he fell, did he, did he, when he fall, when he fell, did he fall between verse one and two? Just something to think about, you know, so I believe that there are secrets of God that is not revealed to us at this time. But I do believe that the word, I do believe the word is proven at its original state and that the gaps that God, uh, utilizes he wants us to use our faith right without trying to poke holes or interject something or interject ourselves uh into the word or into the picture right so i just kind of leave that there on on that on that aspect so let's just go ahead and continue um now, I kind of want to interject some of Matthew Henry's commentary here as we wrap up verse 2. You know, in Matthew Henry, uh, he kind of uses this terminology. He says in verse 2, the work of the creation is in its embryonic stage. You know, and this is where we actually have, you have the first account of matter and the first account of moving, which means action, right? Because God was hovering over the earth. He was moving, that is, his spirit, the spirit of God was moving, hovering over the earth, right? And when we consider the earth was without form and void, it's just kind of, it's, it's no, no life, there's no life there, right? So God in his glorious state is hovering over the water, over the surface of the waters and creating movement, bringing life into the waters, you know? So we, we don't know what kind of life, you know, in that movement was those micro particles and and those type of things, you know, in the water that lives, bacteria, all that stuff that lives, you know, that life of 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 organisms begin at that time of movement, because the wind, the breath of life is is God, right? So you just have to use your 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 concept of mind. To, to think about the word of God. And when we consider that, it's just fascinating, right? You know, so when you look at this, this mass of beautiful, you know, formless clay, as you would say, you know, at this point, the spirit of God had entered and, and he begins his work. So when you think of hovering, you know, think of a, of a hen or a bird, you know, who hovers over the eggs, you know, animals, when they lay eggs, they hover or they sat upon, they stretch themselves out over the, over the egg, over the embryo. And, you know, it's, it, it it doesn't 
have anything, any life in it. But when that egg is is being incubated and being hatched, right? There's a a, a loving care that's taking place until birth is 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 completed. And that's what God, when I see hovering over the the surface of the waters, that's what I see God is 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 doing is he's incubating and and covering everything and and making it using what he created and taking everything that's available to make the end product of what he already knows is going to be established. I mean, that is just mind-blowing to me. Just mind-blowing. And uh, in essence, this is this is what God does, right? This is what he is the king. He is the owner. He established dominion and he established his domain. And when he's hovering over the surface of the waters, he's beginning to establish his domain and create it to be inhabited by us. He already had us in mind because he knew what we were going to need before he placed us here. So how much more will he know what you need today in your life? Right? Just think about what you need in your life today and look towards the king. He wants to provide that for you. He has everything here on earth already that you need to be provided for. So ask him. He's not. He doesn't want you to come to him just for material things, because that's a worldly idol. You know, everything material that we can see with our five senses is 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 it can be an idol. Right. A pen can be an idol. Right. I'm sitting here looking at a, a bunch of pens. You know, I have a, a, a pen holder and it has about 40 pens in it. Why? One pen could be sufficient, right? But I have 40 pens in here and I, I couldn't get rid of one because I like, oh, I bought this pen with this one or I like how this one writes or I like this one. And then you you get obsessed with pens and you just start buying pens and you don't even use them. I don't know where that came from. I was just looking at it, but it could be a form of idol. I'm idolizing pens that I don't even use, but I won't throw them away because I think they're important. So, eh, that's just something to chew on. But today, that's all we have for this podcast today. But the Kingdom Citizen wouldn't be a the podcast that it is without the altar call. So, if you have ears to hear the call of God at this moment... And he has asked you to willingly submit to him and become a part of the kingdom. 
Repeat this confession after me. I confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus, and I believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. That's Romans 10 and 9. And if you said this with a deep personal conviction, without reservation, that Jesus, the sovereign over me and everything that I have in my life. This phrase includes repenting from sin, trusting in Jesus for salvation, and submitting to him as Lord. This is the volitional element of faith. Well, until next week, Kingdom Citizens. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Love you.